Let me start with prayer. Lord, we come to you this evening thankful for this time together to meet with your saints and the freedom to do so and um, the comfort of this uh, facility and for the blessings you've given us tonight. Uh, we pray that you will just make these words uh, make sense to the people who are here and who will hear it later and that it will um, be accompanied by your spirit, Lord, that you will speak to them as you've spoken to me and that it can be a blessing to someone. In your name we pray. Amen. I'll share with you some thoughts that, uh, that were on my heart uh, recently and was asked to speak and these things were, oh, I guess how God was dealing with me and I just felt like this is where my thoughts were so I thought I'll share them with you and yeah, hopefully they'll be a blessing to you as well. Ecclesiastics 3.11 says, He has put eternity in their hearts. If you think about it, even no matter who it is on the street, in the, just anywhere, there's eternity in their hearts. Um, you go to Haiti, they're engrossed with spiritual uh, aspects. of. We're, we're spiritual beings. We, we know that there's something more than just the physical. You talk to an atheist, even atheists are wrapped up in in these sort of uh, things that are almost spiritual. They just don't want to call it spiritual. They don't, but they want to look at you know, these alien lives or, or something like that. And I'm like, really? And you're, you claim to be an atheist, but they're looking for something beyond. And something, they're drawn to something. Because eternity is in their hearts. And so we have this in our hearts, but yet we've got to live this physical life. And there's this balance between looking to God, looking to heaven as we know and know where to look. And as Christians, we know what, where our focus should be. But then we also have to live our life. And we have to go and we have to do our jobs to provide for our families. And we have to take care of the children. And we have to go to school. And there's different things we've got to do in life. And we've got to put up with the stuff. And we've got to make life work. But in, at the same time, Eternity is there. So what happens is we can become distracted. It's kind of like when you learn to drive. Where, or I mean, it doesn't matter whether you're learning to drive or you've been driving for 50 years. You've got to keep your eyes focused ahead of you. If you spend half your time over here looking at the cow and over there looking at the deer and uh, looking in your rearview mirror, you can't spend more than a, a second looking this way or that way, or you'll be in a ditch. You might be dead, you might be over a cliff. It doesn't work. You've got to keep your eye focused. Right. And so that's what this is about tonight, is keeping our eyes focused where they need to be focused. Not looking, if you keep looking right in front of your car, you're not going to know where you're going, you're not going to see what's up ahead of you. You've got to keep focused where it needs to be focused. And you've got to know where you're going. So that's what this is about tonight, is knowing where we're going, keeping our Minds focused where they need to be focused so that our priorities are straight. And it changes, changes your mindset. It changes how you think and how you act when you get your focus right. I remember when I was learn, learning to ride a bicycle. I um, was at some friend's house, and I was riding the bike, and I was looking back here, looked over here, and I wrecked the bike and got myself skinned up. And it, that was my lesson of looking to the side here or there. That's what's going to happen. You're going you're gonna to fall, and you're going to get skinned. So along that line is uh, Colossians 3.2, set your mind on things above, not on things on earth. 
And that's what this is about, setting our minds on things above, not on things on earth. Right. What the earthly mind does, it is the same, you know, it sets your... It, you, you get filled with this anxiety. Uh, you, you get filled with all sort of frustrations and, and worry when you have that mind that's earthly focused. There's this, there's this part in us that's longing for home. It's longing for heaven, and we sort of just know that there's something more. But if we get distracted, we get too focused on the present, then we lose it. And what happens? Then we get anxiety coming in. We get worry coming in. We get fear and frustration. That's what takes over our spirit when we lose, lose the perspective that this is just temporary. We're gonna, this is just a moment. Life is just a moment. We're going to... Yes, we've got to deal with things, we've got to live, but in the end, it's just short, and it's, it's passing quickly. So, I think James 4.1 really helps to illustrate this. He says, From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not, hence, even of your lusts that war in your members? Think about it. If you're in that warring, fighting spirit, is it you know, there's, there's things in life, you, there's, there's seasons of life, there's things to deal with. I'm not saying that you're totally just in the clouds, but understand it, it could be, that also could be because your focus is not right. It's not focused where it needs to be. And so it's the lust of life. You're, you're lusting after something here, and so it, it becomes a fight, and you, you just get into a struggle because you're all focused here instead of focused ahead where you need to be. The solution to this is a, mo is a mind and a heart that's focused on Christ. So Abraham was a sojourner in a foreign land because he believed the promise. Jesus described the kingdom of heaven as a man who found a treasure in a field, so he went and sold everything and bought the field. Paul said the time is short, so those who buy should live like they don't possess, and those who use the world as though they did not make full use of it. I'm going to have a, just a second here, I'm going to get a reader, my sister. We're going to read Hebrews, you can turn to Hebrews if you want to read along, uh, chapter 11, 6 through 16. This, this passage just illustrates this whole thing about all of those examples, and we're even just reading a portion of it, but all the examples of how those who had faith, they looked ahead, they didn't just live in the present, those who got in that chapter of Hebrews 11, uh, they were focused with faith, and they were looking ahead, and they were looking at what was to come. Uh, and so they had faith. This is about faith, is looking at, at what God has for us in the future and, and seeing what, what he has. And that's, that's how you've you got to be focused. Maybe I'll just... Are you getting it there? And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God who warned him about these things that had never happened before. By his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world and he received the righteousness that comes by faith. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. 
He went without knowing where he was going. And even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith, for he was like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob, who Think inherited... about that. We're, we're foreigners. He was a foreigner. It's the same for us. We have a kingdom that's not this United States. We're citizens here, but we're really more like green card holders. We're, not, we're just temporary residents. Our kingdom is greater. It's bigger. Keep reading. And so did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. Oh, he's seen a city. This wasn't Jerusalem. This wasn't rocks and, and mortal things here. He's seen something that was better. He was going for something greater, something had foundations laid by God. Go on. It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child, though she was barren and too old. She believed that God would keep his promise. And so a whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead, a nation with so many people that, like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, there was no way to count them. All these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they all saw it from a distance and welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country they can call their own. If they had longed for the country they came back from, they could have gone back. Mm -hmm. But they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. Mm -hmm. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Amen. He has prepared a city. You could go back if you want to. If you want to go back, you look back. Or you can look ahead, the city prepared. And uh, be marching upward in Zion, in Zion. But you don't have to be looking, you don't have to be looking back. You could be looking back at what you could get if you didn't have to make the sacrifices. You know, there's sometimes you have to make sacrifices. Now, we live in a free world, and so we sometimes almost forget. And some, some preachers will even, some kind of cults or whatever, will sell religion and sell Christianity as a, as a way for prosperity. But that was not Jesus' gospel. And so sometimes you have to make sacrifices. And he may call you and say, you've got to give up this. You've got to take that job because that's where I want you. That's how I want you to minister. Uh, I've talked to people in the congregation. And one brother said, he said he, he had a good business deal one time. He was in a, took a contract with a guy. And they were going to make some, he was going to make some better money. But... It was shortly afterward, God was speaking to him on the way home, and he said, you can't, you can't take that job because I want to minister through you. I want you to have the freedom of working by yourself. And this is Brother Jack Emery. And he said, I want you to have that freedom to be able to work and, and be able to stop and take the time out to witness to a guy on the job. And that's the life. You know, it's individual. You have different jobs, different callings, different professions and opportunities in life. But he may call you to do something like that. And, but you could look back and say, ah, that was better money. 
you can, you can go back if you want to. Um, or you can look forward in faith. Jesus described the kingdom of heaven like this in Matthew 13, 44. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a treasure hid in a field, which when a man hath found, he hideth. And for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath, and buyeth that field. All that he hath. All that he hath. And, and buyeth that field. He, he's, he got the treasure, but he had to sell all. It wasn't some, this, it was all. Paul in 1 Corinthians 7, 29-31. But this I say, brethren, the time has been shortened, so that from now on those who have wives should be as though they had none. And those who weep as though they did not weep. And those who rejoice as though they did not rejoice. And those who buy as though they did not possess. And those who use the world as though they did not make full use of it. For the form of this world is passing away. Full use of it, abusing it, or dependent, depending on what translation. But the idea here is you're going to live in the world. He's kind of showing that balance. It's like you're, you're living in the world. You've got to... Do life, okay? But at the same time, don't be so engaged in it that your heart is sold out to it. Don't be so caught up in it that it takes everything out of you. Hold on to it with kind of a, a loose hold. Hold it and realize where the time is short. So don't make full use of it. Don't get fully absorbed in it. Uh, it's, it's passing away. So the, that's the principle but what about some applications and some areas of life that uh, this might apply to in some particulars? One thing I think of is for the rich, which, depending on how you count, could be most of us. Uh, you know, in Haiti, compared, if you compare a Mason worker in Haiti to a McDonald's worker in Newark, you probably are looking at somewhere like eight times a day's wage working at McDonald's in Newark compared to working all day on a concrete job in Haiti. So most of us can consider ourselves rich. All right. Now, relative here, we may not be rich, but you look at it how you want. But so his charge to the rich in 1 Timothy 6, 17 through verse 19. Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who giveth us richly all things to enjoy, that they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. Amen. So they had riches. And he says, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Yes, there are things to enjoy. But he also he instructs them how to go about living. You don't hold on to those things. It's not about amassing your wealth and about a competition for having the most. Yeah, he gives us things richly to enjoy, but be generous with it. Be ready to um, you know, communicate, as they say. Ready to, to share. And lay up your treasure in heaven instead of in earth. So we have that tendency. We can... We have a little extra in our income, and we can put it towards retirement. We can save, or we can, you're building a business. And, but careful, because your heart might soon have, be storing up treasures more here than they are in heaven. And so that's, that's his admonition, admonition to the rich. Now to the servants of society. 
Maybe you feel like you're a servant. Maybe you're like, okay, I'm not rich. I don't care what you say about global perspective. I'm not rich. All right, there's a command to you as well. Colossians 3, 22 through 24. Bond servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. Changes your perspective. If you're, if you're wealthy, if you're the rich, or if you're a servant, your perspective is changed when you're a child of God because uh, you don't hold on to your wealth. If you're, if you're wealthy, it's not all about that and, and your heart's not wrapped up in it. At the same time, if you feel that you're on the, the side of being a servant, you, you have a perspective, you have something to look forward to in heaven. And you, you serve faithfully because you're serving the Lord in a, in a roundabout way. So changes your perspective. A third thing I think of is, is the perspective of ourselves as the temple of the Holy Spirit, as a temple for God to dwell in us. We use that principle in that, uh, that idea. You know, Paul talks about um, sexual immorality and implies it to that. You know, you can't be doing that with your temple. Um, it's, it's a temple for the Holy Spirit, not for these things, but also we, we use that principle to apply it to other things as well. Um, it applies to abuses of our body and, and tobacco and alcohol, drugs. And I think you could even extend that, the same principles to food, um, depending on how it is. But it's all about perspective. It's not about it, this is a never do. It's about the balance. It's about where your heart is at. Right. What, is, what is captivating you? What is possessing you? Is it, about, is it all about being... Uh, a, a beautiful body, and you're all absorbed in that? Is it all about you having pleasure in this life? Yeah, God gives you things for pleasure. He gives you food for pleasure. He gives certain decent things that are obviously uh, God has given us. But at the same time, is it all that? Are you all absorbed into that? Or can you respect God and, and, and respect the principles of, of balance in those things? God will give you balance as well, and it, he sets that, that view, and he sets our minds looking above. So to Timothy, Paul writes, and you know, Timothy is that younger disciple that Paul is working with, and he's, um, he's, he's exhorting him, and he says in 1 Timothy 4.8, he says, bodily discipline is only of little profit, but godliness is profitable for all things, since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. So on one side, you can, go, you can go off the ditch on all sort of, on both sides of that. But the view of a Christian is, is a balanced view. You're looking ahead and you're keeping God in focus and you're keeping him the priority no matter what the issue is. So to, to kind of give the, to give the conclusion to this, I think the best way to conclude it really is reading... Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand 
of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Amen. Keep our eyes on Jesus, and we'll be all right.